G'day, g'day, everyone. Dave here and Neil from hey, the everybody. Music Podcast. How, How are we all? Good. How are you? I'm pretty great. Yeah. We've got big news this week. What is it? Big news. It's not an intro. <laughs> not a musical intro for those uh, still waiting out for the musical intro. Hasn't happened yet. It's coming. But something else we promised two to three weeks ago <laughs> that we said was going to be done by next week. Well, it's done now. We got an email address, Neil. Yay! So you can send all of your hate mail. All three of you. <laughs> all three of you. Uh, <laughs> Kenneth, Joan, and uh, Johnny, uh, please send your hate mail and your love mail yep. uh, to our brand new email address. Uh, it is the music podcast at themusic.com.au. Yeah. Just in case you forget <laughs> <laughs> the publication that, that you're, you're listening, listening to. to. Hey, we've got a big show today. Um, big show. It's, uh, I feel like it's, even though it's the music podcast, it's very movie centric today because um, we've got some chats with uh, Thomas F. Wilson. Uh, you'll know him as Biff Tannen from the coolest movie, Back to the Future, mm-hmm. and a guy called Christopher Lloyd. Ever heard of him? Yeah, Doc Brown. Oh, I thought you were going to, like, who's that, Neil? And then, uh, oh, okay. Yeah, Sorry, you didn't, you didn't let me know that you were setting me up for that. It was, it was Doc Brown. Yeah. Uh, the, 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 <laughs> the two guys are going to be, they're all in the country right now for Supernova. Uh, kicks up in Sydney today. We'll get to that very soon. But we should start with some music news. Um, Dave, last week it was rumoured that a little band called The Killers were going to mm. be coming to Australia for the AFL Grand Final. It's confirmed. Brendan Flowers said in an interview this week, uh, the band are in fact going to be playing the Grand Final, which is fucking huge. This is this is exciting for me, uh, personally, uh, because I love the Killers. Yeah. So, well, they, they, don't they're... care for AFL, but um, <laughs> I might watch the Grand Final. You will, to see are this. you going to watch it now, really? Well, no, like, probably not. Like, like, you know, let's, let's be honest. I'll watch, the, I'll watch the video of them performing... After the fact. Well, the, the thing that scares me is that, like, you know, because okay, when it was rumoured last week, the it was very clear that if they do come and play the, the grand final, it was just going to be the gig and then they were going to bail, which mm. is very shit because, you know, number one, they've just dropped a, a single this a brand past new week. song, um, probably leading up to a new album. An album's coming. Yeah. We haven't seen them since, what, Big Day Out 2012, 2013? It's been a while. Yeah. 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 Um, but, it, I mean, either way, it's going to be cool. Well, it just it feels weird to me that they would come all this way and not do a sideshow unless they're contractually obligated by like their deal with the AFL yeah. to not do sideshows. I mean, you'd like to think that between now and September 30, they're going to figure out a way to get more gigs. And you would think they I'm would. I'm sure they would. Yeah, they'll have I, to. I, I, I suspect that if they're going to be here, you'll probably see at least like a Sydney-Melbourne show. Yeah. Um, it, the grand final, I assume, is in Melbourne. Yeah, yeah. So at least a Melbourne. No, show, your right? sports, Dave. Yeah, <laughs> AFL. Yeah, is the thing that happens in this country. <laughs> yeah, it is. Um, but you know, the it's AFL, like grand... the football of basketball. Yeah, that's what I call <laughs> AFL. Isn't it the football of basketball? That's good. <laughs> Owen is Owen's shaking, shaking his head. head. Yeah, fucking love AFL. <laughs> <laughs> That's Owen now. Trust your sound That was Owen uh, giving the review of AFL. Uh, <laughs> the five AFL, out of five stars. The AFL Grand Final is um, always renowned for providing some sort of ridiculous entertainment. Where I don't have to mention Meatloaf. Do you mm. actually? Do I have to mention Meatloaf? Do you? I don't know if you're aware. Of yeah, this. I, I, I'm aware that, of the that loaf. performance. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that was god awful. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's confirmed. But so like, you know, you normally play like one song at the at the when you're doing like a. Mid show, right? Mm. Like a half half time show. It's what Owen, oh, like 15, 20 minute performance? Yeah, about that. Yeah. Okay, so there's a couple you do a couple couple yeah. songs. Okay, sweet. So we're definitely gonna hear Mr. Brightside. You'd think so. Like that needs to happen. Yeah. Um we're probably gonna hear Mr. Brightside. Yeah, we're, we're so- probably gonna hear um when you were young. We were just we were just chatting before. You mentioned that Mr. Brightside has what stayed in the top one hundred? Yeah, so Owen and I were chatting about this before the show. So apparently Mr. Brightside has 
consistently stayed in the UK top 100 charts since it's released up until today. And this song released 10 years ago. And that's so weird. It's spent 10 years in the top that's 100. That's weird in itself, obviously, because The Killers being an American band, if you said they're in the Billboard charts every week, I'd say, yeah, that makes sense. But the UK, like... They were like... I mean, the UK kind of loves indie rock in a way that I like no other country kind of does, I think. Mm. Like, they... I think they blew up their first mm. because they did like they were this Las Vegas band that kind of they had been releasing music for a while yeah um and it was kind of when Hot Fuss came out uh and it sort of blew up overseas that they kind of got some recognition back home I they think. were on the OC they were on the OC that was my introduction to the killers yeah scoff at that was Owen. the OC <laughs> 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 love that back in the day yeah but that's exciting it's cool that they're back yeah I think that every album they've released since uh Hot Fuss has been uh like worse than the last one. Yeah, and Brendan Flowers <laughs> has kind of been off doing solo stuff. And I don't know about you, but his last solo album, I was, eh, not I so... I didn't hear the last solo album. Yeah, maybe keep it that way. Yeah, no good. <laughs> um, but, you know, we'll see. I mean, they're going to be releasing an album, so it's cool. The Killers yeah. are coming back. That's the main point of this story. Mm. Um, other music news happening this week. Um, the I Love 90s tour wrapped up this past weekend. Um, if you're not aware of it, uh, names like Vanilla Ice, salt and Pepper, Coolio, yeah. Tone Loke, Young MC, uh, came to Australia, did a big tour. Um, we had a Melbourne comedian, Dave Callan, go check out the show. Um, now, he made it clear, I don't know if you can check the music.com.au for the full article, he basically made it clear that, you know, back in the day he was into his rock, but um, since then he's kind of gotten super nostalgic and now he loves this music, so he was excited to go along. His take from it was that the whole show was amazing, but the headline of Vanilla Rice's set was weird. Weird in the sense that, Everyone knows. Dave, what's Vanilla Ice's main song? Uh, I'm going to say Ninja Rap. <laughs> <laughs> Don't play this game. Ice Ice Baby. Ice Ice Baby, yeah. yeah. Okay. So apparently he played this like three or four songs in. Yeah. Now, after, Bold move. Yeah, which again, he's, he's, <laughs> the, he's the last so, uh, act of the night. This is at Kudos Bank Arena in Sydney. So there's, you know, what, 17,000 people. He plays Ice Ice Baby mid-set. Apparently there's confetti when he plays this song. Yeah. And then he keeps going. And at this point the crowd starts to bail yeah. mid-set. And this is, this is what Callan said. Where are we? He actually says here, <clears throat> and I quote, halfway through, halfway through the set, Van Winkle, Van Winkle is uh, Vanilla Ice for those watching at home, drops Ice Ice Baby and a massive confetti cannon explodes. For most, a massive confetti cannon signals the end of an evening's entertainment. However, Vanilla Ice inexplicably carries on with some truly odd choices as the stadium begins to empty out having seen the last of his hits they were intent on hearing live. Now, apparently he played DJ Snake's Turn Down For What. Do you want to <laughs> tell people how that song goes? Uh, turn Down For What. Do we need a license no. that? Oh, <laughs> <God>. <laughs> <What we just laughs> Please don't show us DJ Snake. Now, apparently yeah. it wasn't a fun Vanilla Ice take on that song. The DJ played Turn Down For What and Vanilla Ice just jumped around stage. Just sang over top. Turn Down For What. <laughs> That's great. And then apparently he brought people on stage to dance with him. And this is what he said to the crowd. Mm. If you got a fanny pack, get up. If you're wearing Ninja Turtle green, get up. That's cool. That's about as hip as How many people and 17,000 people are going to be A, wearing a fanny pack yeah. and B, wearing like, I am wearing Ninja Green. Uh, like you would wearing. be surprised. Okay, well, this is it. Yeah. This, is, this, brings, is this brings us to the next point because yeah. um, Owen, our trusty engineer and best friend, did a little sneaky, went along to the show. Can you fact check, fact, fact check rather, Dave Callan's review? The floor clears out. He plays, he plays Ice Ice Baby. Everyone leaves. Uh, 
fact-checked. Fact-checked. Yeah. Yeah, okay. You've been owned. You've been owned. Yeah. Because it it is that sort of thing. Like, I saw an MGMT gig. uh, They played at a festival a couple years ago, and um, they played Electric Feel maybe, like, two, three songs in. Mm. And everyone loved that song, jammed out to that song, and then they stopped that song, and they kind of stood around awkwardly for a little bit, and they kept on playing some back catalogue, and everyone just kind of peered it out. Just yeah. kind of left. And it's sort of like, you got to know. Like, you got to know what your biggest song is, right? Yeah. And you got to, like, pack. You milk that song. Sure. Yeah. Like, if you've got, like, if you're all hits, yeah. go crazy with it. Litter, litter the whole <laughs> set with bangers. Yeah. But if you've got, like, one banger, yeah. save the banger. Well, the save mo- it. The most fucked up thing about this set was that not only did he, uh, towards the end of the set, play uh, No Women, No Cry by Bob Marley... Released in 1975, he also played Paper Planes by MIA, released in 2007, yeah. at an I Love the 90s tour. Yeah. What are you doing, Van Winkle? I mean, I That's guess he's from name. the 90s, so like he's like, I'm just doing <laughs> I 90s can do versions. I but I mean, because we, we, we spoke about this a couple of weeks ago, like, you know, these uh, big tours, like I Love the 90s, I mean, that was the last one, the R&B tour, where mm. there was like Nelly and TLC, um... The set lists are so short. These like nostalgia tours. Yeah, like yeah. I remember I saw the set list for that one. And also recently there was a big pop on with like S Club 7, Atomic Kitten. They're like 15 minute sets. And I remember the, the R&B tour that happened late last year. Dante Thomas, the guy who did the Miss California song, the She's Miss California. Yeah. Hannah's the other, I'm going to do it. How Basically, it I think the show kicked off at 5. His set went from 5 to 5.15. Ooh. Like. <laughs> so it's like he get, they get out, they play like two songs. If, yeah. And, and they're like, like, well, thank you, everyone. Thank you so much. This was worth a 16-hour flight. Yeah. Thank you, Sydney. Bye-bye. <laughs> I'm going to get drunk in my uh, room for the rest of the rest life and yeah. Like, yeah, like that's Speaking of. <laughs> yeah. So we had the Music Insider. Yeah. At the, at the 90s tour gig. Yeah. At the venue. Yeah. Owen, mate, you're our spy on the inside. Yeah. You were backstage with the celebrities. Before you were being like, oh, I don't know if I can tell. You need to tell. Tell the story. What happened, mate? By backstage. threat of death. Backstage in the after party. What's the inside word on the I Love 90s tour? Backstage, yep. pretty quiet. Because most of the time they go out, they do their set. They want to go have a seat after the set, watch everyone else play. Just relax a bit. That's kind of cool. But, yeah, that's actually really cool. Like, it's, actually, like it's actually like a pretty nice atmosphere backstage there because they all get along. They're yeah. all really mm. great pals. And so... But after their set, they'll just come, go into each other's dressing room, say good day to everyone. Like, I'd never met Coolio or Vanilla Ice or Salt and Pepper or anyone before. Mm. They didn't know me from a bar so, But they still came into the... Cha- the like, I was backstage with Young MC because I'd helped him out with some editing. Mm. Um, and they still came in and said hey to me and, like, said thanks for coming to the show and, like, all that. Like, it was really nice to yeah, cool. be backstage. Um, so that was really good. Like, it was really nice to have... But it wasn't, all- like, crazy backstage. It was, like, people were getting drunk and throwing things. Not no, not really. Because they're all like a little bit older now, aren't they? Yeah, they're a bit older now. Yeah. Like you know, I think Coolio's what fifty now or something. Salt and Pepper yeah. around that same age. So like yeah. they're probably a little bit more chilled than they were back in the day. They're still pretty out there. Like if you were an artist and you were performing on stage every night and still doing your thing, like yeah, yeah, that's that's still in you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it, I don't think it's fully restrained in them in any way. So what but, about the after party? Oh, the after party was cool. They had, at, apparently at, uh, it was at Ivy, and uh, every week at Ivy, apparently on Fridays, they do yeah. an R&B night. For those yeah. listening outside of Sydney, the Ivy is a very popular nightclub in yeah. the Sydney CBD. Carry on, on. Uh, and so DJ Spinderella jumped on the decks and started playing all these tunes for everyone that was there, and all the people were like, oh my gosh, DJ Spinderella, Spinderella's yeah. here. Uh, and then all of a sudden, all these wireless mics turned up, 
and we'll hand it out to all the artists on the I Love 90s tour and they all jumped downstairs and did, you know, one or two of their biggest songs at like a at the I Love not I Love 90s, but, but at the 90s night. Was there a yeah. sense that this was planned or it was like, well, they're here, they may as well? I think it was kind of a mixture of both. Like at yeah. first, like I remember seeing the mic go around and they sort of looked at each other like, is this happening? Like, yeah. is this actually a thing? And then they all just jumped down there. So there's Coolio doing Gangster's Paradise in the middle of Ivy, mm. Salt and Pepper doing Push It, you so know, Young really MC cool. doing Buster Move. Like it was for all the people that were there for the night, like, you they just were just come expecting to like, listen to go, like some DJ like playing like classic hits and like, Freaking Coolio gets up on stage. Exactly, yeah. yeah. Like the one minute they're there dancing away to just general R and B tracks, and then all of a sudden they hear this voice come over with Mike, and they look up, and there's the actual it's person, cool, yeah, yeah, doing it, and they all just basically lost their shit. Imagine being the person that left like five <laughs> minutes beforehand. You're like, oh, gotta gotta be up for work yeah. tomorrow morning. I think I'm done, guys. It's not like Coolio's gonna show up. Yeah, it's, yeah. So not like not like we're gonna have like salt and pepper here, <laughs> you idiots. All right, I'm done. Thanks, guys. All right, yeah, have a, have was, a good one. This was at like midnight, <laughs> one a.m. So yeah, it's all what, the sorry? people. Yeah, all the people that left before then. Yeah, <sighs> crazy. No chance. That's cool. That's the dream. <laughs> I'm just shaking my head and in, in just like, I wish I was there. Did you become best friends with anyone? Uh, like put it this way like the end of the night was salt and people like hey Owen thanks for the great night man we'll catch up next time uh, Young MC definitely yeah yeah, yeah cause you, dude, you've built a little have you guys been like, like he exchanging wrote. memes any what sorry just like exchanging memes just like I don't think we're at exchanging memes level yet yeah. but we're yeah. definitely are you, are you like, texting well email text yeah yeah, yeah. what are up you, Young how you doing man are you confident enough to send him a text that would include lol in it uh, yeah yeah, yeah, okay, that's friendship. Yeah. Send him a lol text. Friendship. Yeah. He's a good that's dude. friendship, yeah. yeah. Yeah, you don't do that to, to clients. Yeah, that's that's yeah. irresponsible is what that mm. is. Well, I'm glad to hear it. Great. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> now we're staring awkwardly. For more, for more exclusives, uh, continue listening to the music podcast. Next week, we're going to send Owen to a different festival and try yeah. making me best friends with maybe Lord. That'd Sweet. be cool. Yeah. Be yeah, when's that happening? Lord. I'll work it out. All right, Thanks. work it off. Don't, yeah, don't put me on the spot on any place. Yeah. I get very scared and nauseous. Moving on. We should uh, talk about Supernova now, Dave, because that's kicking off in Sydney today. Yeah. Um, it's basically the Australian Comic Con. Uh, yeah, yeah. It's, it's amazing. Um, and uh, have you our, ever been to the Australian one? Yeah, I was meant to go last year, but um, circumstances made me not go. Mm. But um, I mean, I would love to go. In, in it saying like that, like I, it's 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 super annoying because, like you mentioned, the American Comic Con, like holy shit, mm. like it's they show all the teasers for their big movies. Most of the actors from most of the those movies yeah. come out. Not to mention the entire cast of some of the biggest TV shows turn out for what fucking hour and a half panels. Yeah, um, I would love to go to that Comic Con. Like the the Comic Con in San Diego is huge. Yeah, like it's the biggest thing ever. Like the the sort of stuff that they premiere there and the sort of events mm. they have there. It's like fan heaven. Yeah. Uh, Supernova's a bit more sort of nostalgic, isn't it? It's kind of yeah. like a lot of the people that, that are there are kind of, you know, like I think Alison Harrigan is Hannigan, here. Yeah. Hannigan, sorry, this year from Buffy. Yeah. And she'll probably do like a Buffy talk. I or think something. Chris Hemsworth is also coming, which is pretty cool. Well, that's yet. cool. Yeah. He's um, Thor. Yeah, that's Thor. Yeah. But I mean, I guess he's he's Australian. He has the mm. time, right? I don't know what, he, what his schedule's like at the moment, but he's coming, so that's cool. Um, probably just taking a week off Avengers <laughs> yeah. to come on down. But our Brisbane editor, Mitch, he's a super big fan of comics. Seriously, ask that guy anything about comics. He will school you and make you feel little yep. and pathetic. 
Love you, Mitch. So he spoke to Tom F. Wilson about Back to the Future and his own experience uh, at previous Comic-Cons in the US. And he also spoke to Christopher Lloyd um, about another film that he's known for, Adam's Family, where he played Uncle Fester. Check this out. This is the grand experiment, Mitch, 2017. And I will say um, that it's going quite positively. I've done a couple here in the States. Um, early on, when Back to the Future was first released, I think the audience was was very different than it is now. First of all, Back to the Future was released at a very specific intersection of the culture because it was the first big movie where as, as the cable television was coming out, as VHSs and buying the movie was coming out, Back to the Future was really, I think, the first big movie that you could watch over and over and over and over. So really, you had people watching it 400 times and like an album like the you know like an early Beatles album that you would just just run until the grooves were worn out you could watch this and and it created uh, an impression within the audience of me that that I was that guy that I was a terrible person who was mean to Michael J Fox in that movie and so the interchanges I would have, of course, most of the Mitch were positive, and most people understand the movie, but there were plenty where, where the guys would want to uh, put me in a headlock or push me around a bit or get into a little tussle with that, that tough guy from Back to the Future because he's not that tough after all. Well, I'm not that tough after all because I'm an actor, <laughs> because it's pretend. And I think that social media... Uh, the greater uh, the greater intimacy, maybe. Uh, I mean, part of it is false intimacy, but, but part of it's real intimacy. I mean, you can you can go and see things about an actor, and that's kind of why I do the YouTube thing to present. This is this is me as a person. That the audience now, the pop cultural audience, is a more sophisticated audience and a more um, a more multifaceted audience. That when when they're coming to me, they're understanding. Within a context, which is very satisfying to me, when they say yes, you're mean and all that stuff, you know, a great majority understand that I'm an actor and have I you know, followed me on Twitter, on Instagram, whatever, or they've seen a video on YouTube and they they understand more of the context of this pop iconhood that has, uh, you know, that I, that I'm a part of than than previously. Well. Uh, to begin with, uh, the Charles, uh, Charles Adamson's cartoons uh, appear regularly in a magazine that my family subscribed to uh, during my adolescence. And I always sought uh, the magazine out, uh, the New Yorker magazine, and because it always had cartoons in it. And I would open it up eagerly and... and uh, Look at them, and my particular cartoons that I enjoyed were those that included uh, Uncle Fester, to, uh, who, who I really there was a kind of a mischievous, kind of playful evilness, and kind of a, the way he looked was comical, you know, that round body and round head and all that. He's, I don't know, he's, he just uh, I, I love those cartoons and then decades later I get a call that they mentioned the movie 
And when I, you know, be interested in Uncle Fester, and I, I thought, how, what are the odds of that? This character that I grew up with, and I suddenly had the opportunity to portray it. Um, at first, I was very excited, but I, I thought, how? I don't look like Uncle Fester. Um, you know, I, I have kind of a long face, and um, I'm not, you know, I'm not rotund. But with uh, some ingenious work by the makeup people and costumes, we got it. We got it to fit. And so, uh, yeah. So that that ha and then working with, with the people of that cast, we we really f felt like Supernova Comic Con kicks off in Sydney today. Today being Friday, the 16th to 18th of June, all weekend, and it moves to Perth next weekend from the 23rd to the 25th of June. Tickets are available now. Go to the website for more details. Very exciting stuff, Neil. Mm. Speaking of exciting stuff, you've been seeing a movie this week. Yeah, we'll stay on the movies because we did one we whole just, movie. We did just talk to two of uh, two actors from the, one of the greatest franchises of all time, Back to the Fucking Future. Mm. Um, not on the same scale, but still a fun movie. I saw Rough Night this past week. Cool. Now, Rough Night is the new film. Um, it's like Scarlett Johansson. Scar it's all, right. all female cast, female director. So Scarlett Johansson, um, Gillian Bell, who you'd probably know from Workaholics, and yep. she was in Twenty Two Jump Street. Um, you've got. Um, uh, Jeez, why am I blanking this? Broad City. Uh, Ileana Glazer. Yep. We've got her. We've got um, Kate McKinnon from SNL. Jesus yep, Christ. Who is just one of my One of my favourite act, not even actresses, just favourite performers right now. She's so fucking funny. Mm. Um, and Zoe Kravitz as well, um, who's kind of, this is a cool turn for her because she's often known for serious is roles. Is she funny in this? Because like, so I only ever She's seen probably the straightest of the bunch. Put sure. it that way. Um, because I, like, the only thing I've seen her in, I think, was Mad Max, right? Like, what else has she done? Oh, Zoe Kravitz. She's been in a lot of yeah? shit. Like, she was, I know she was in the, you know, the indie film Dope. Um, oh, yeah. Most of the stuff she's been in is is pretty straight or drama, and she's generally, yeah, the straight person. And she's in this as well, but she still has some funny lines. But here was the, here yeah, was the big sure. thing. So, um, yeah, cool. you know, what, when I spoke to you off, off air, I said, have you seen the trailer? Because you haven't seen the movie. I have. And I said, have you yep. seen the trailer? And you said, yeah. What'd yep. you think? And you said... I said that it didn't look like it was for me. Why? Because um, I didn't laugh in the trailer. Yep. Um, <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah, I decided, like, I was like, I didn't, wasn't, you know, I, I watched a lot of trailers. I was like, ah, oh, this doesn't look that funny. Yeah. Um, I liked it. That's a lie. I laughed at some bits, but, like, reluctantly, yeah. I think. <laughs> so I um, so I saw the movie, and let's just be yeah. clear, it was funny. It, was, it did what it needed to do. Yeah, it was a comedy, cool. made me I laugh. Love, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm excited about the cast. Like, I love Broad City. Yeah. Um, and Workaholics, and um, Kate McKinnon's great. So I... Probably, maybe I should check it out. I don't know why I was so quick to judgment, Neil. Um, <laughs> like, maybe it'll be funny. But uh, so this is the I want to have the broader sense. So, bad, like, just to clarify, it's funny, yeah. laughed, it was good. Did mm. what it needs to do. It wasn't the so best. What's the premise? It's like a bachelorette. So party, it's a bachelorette right? party. Um, yeah. it, 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 and they, it's, 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 like, it's not it's the like, most original storyline. Yeah, it's, it's a like weekend at Bernie's, party. right? They accidentally kill the they stripper. They accidentally kill a stripper, um, and then they're gonna like they're trying to get rid of the body. Yeah, yeah. That's so, a funny concept. Yeah, it's funny. super dark. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it mean, like, they, it's funny that they like classify it as like a dark comedy. But anyway, yeah. so the point is, it was fun. But after I saw the movie, I caught up with um, one of my friends, female friend, and yeah. she goes, "Oh my god, I really want to say that." What do you think? I went, "Oh yeah, it was okay." And like immediately, she lashed out. Oh why? Because it's an all female cast. And I was like, <laughs> "Oh no, just because like it wasn't." You know, it was it was funny, but like I just felt like it was it was kind of stupid. And it's like, oh, but you know, if it was the Hangover was stupid, and I was like, yeah, 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 yeah. The Hangover was stupid. Yeah, no, it was. <laughs> and the, but like, so we had this massive discussion, and it got me thinking. Like, are we being so overly sensitive about these kind of films now? Where 
you know, regardless of what kind of cast it is, because it's an all-female cast, it's a female director, um, it's it's almost wrong to say that it, it's not great. Because, again, let me preface, I, I thought it was funny. But for some reason, this particular friend, maybe she's, she's just sensitive and, you know, maybe I'm just overlooking this, but it just felt like I, it was like it was almost wrong of me to suggest it was anything other than a great comedy. Sure. I mean, like, I, I guess the question is, like, you know, if we all agree that, um, well, you know, not everyone agrees, but I, I, I think that like you know we need to be seeing a greater diversity of stories, and yeah. like female uh, filmmakers and female stories are part of that group that is dramatically underrepresented. Yeah. I, I think the question is like, does supporting mean giving a free pass mm. to movies that aren't good? Yeah. Um, and again, let's, but, let's say again, know, Rough Night th- was funny and. Fuck, Gillian Bell, Kate McKinnon are two of my favourite actors right now. Like, especially sure. Kate McKinnon. She is one of the best performers I think we have right now. Everything she does is fucking hilarious. Sure. Anyone is lucky to have Kate McKinnon, I want to be your best friend. <laughs> Continue. <laughs> he's, like, he's trying to get, become best friend with Kate McKinnon via, via this podcast. She's just so good. That she anyway, definitely listens continue, to. Continue. Kate, you if you're listening, uh, Neil is uh, got an offer you we can't are, refuse. We hear the SNL cast often choose in every week. So <laughs> SNL cast, if you're listening, Lorne. <laughs> Uh, I am free to audition. But 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 it, it is that question. It is that question of like, um, you know, uh, does a movie that you kind of look at this movie and you go, it's awesome that this movie's getting made because, mm. you know, uh, I don't feel like five years ago, like 10 years ago, five years ago, this movie would have been made. Mm. Um, and I think, you know, the, the, the fact that there's this conversation happening right now and, you know, we had the success of like a movie like Bridesmaids. Mm. Um which is probably like a big, you know, inspiration for the guys. I mean, not even a comedy. Look at Wonder Woman. Yeah. Well, like, I mean, like uh, talking, you know, about specifically like, you know, um, like Bridesmaids and Rough Night. Yeah, sure. Are, yeah, are like very uh, similar, similar in tone. Like, like who, the person pitching Rough Night at that studio would have said it's, it's like Bridesmaids. Yeah. That's yeah. how they would have got the money to make that movie. Yeah. So like, um, you know, I, I guess there is sort of like that precedent for, because, yeah, during this argument that I had with this friend, like then it, it started leaking over to the whole Ghostbusters thing. Everyone knows about the Ghostbusters remake and, you know, all these, um, I guess, calls that people were being sexist towards the movie. And, like, I think it was the trailer is... I mean, I, I, I don't want to say it is because I'll, I'll fact-check it later, but apparently it is the most disliked or the thumbs-down video on YouTube in history. Well, Ghostbusters was fucked. Like, Ghostbusters was a, was a fuck situation yeah. in that, like, that was a movie that was being shit on before people Anything saw, happened. like, a fucking a, a still for it. Yeah. Like, that movie was being shit on universally from, like, the press release. Yeah. Um, and then, like, when the trailer come out, came out, like, it was, like, crazy downlight. Uh, completely unfairly. Yeah. Like it was a movie that that became this kind of was raised up as this kind of battleground yeah. for an all female cast reboot yeah. in this really absurd way. But um, I'll stop you there because do you think it's weird in the sense that like when I because when I heard about the Ghostbusters I thought it was dumb, but not because it was females because. They were trying to remake something amazing. Like, you know, gee, I don't have to ask you how sick you are for Bill Murray. Like, did you not hear when you said, like, they're remaking Ghostbusters? No. Because I know for the, for the longest time, Dan Aykroyd was pushing to do a third Ghostbusters with the original cast. Then Harold Ramis passed away. Things mm. got weird and awkward, and um, they kind of gave up on that idea. And that's when they brought in the females. But for me, it wasn't because it's an all-female cast. It was because why are you touching Ghostbusters? You, you can remake 
Jesus Christ, there's that many remakes. But Ghostbusters is like, it's a thing to remake that for whatever reason and then it being a female cast. I think that's what pissed a lot of people off. And of course, I'm not trying to defend the fucking sexist. I don't don't know, dude. Like, I kind of feel like, you know, um, we're we're rebooting so much stuff now. Mm. Like, I was kind of like, the Ghostbusters was bound to happen sooner or later. Um, I think think for me, like, uh, I, I didn't see... The 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 reboot, unfortunately, um, I didn't get a chance to check it out when it was in the cinemas. But um, like for me, I'm like it's probably going to happen sooner or later. Yeah, and I love the fact that when studios are going, let's reboot this film. They're going, how could this be different? Like, mm. like what would be an interesting way to do this this new film? What if Bill Murray is um, Kate McKinnon, you know what I mean? Mm. Like, what if, what if rather than finding like who's like the guy that's like the like who's current like who's the Bill Murray of today? Yeah. Like, going well, like why not Kate McKinnon? Like, yeah. I, I think that's really cool. Um, and I'd love to see studios making more and more decisions Be- like that. Yeah, because you're right. Because like Ghostbusters was fucked from the beginning. Like it was just getting unfairly kicked around in in an absurd way yeah but then when the film came out and it turns out it wasn't that good of a movie it almost like it was similar to what happened with when i had that conversation about rough night it was like what do you think of ghostbusters it wasn't very good oh of course you think that it's like (laughs) but it it, it, like it's fuck like it just it wasn't that good and i like dan Aykroyd. i don't know if you saw this like two weeks ago even came out and admitted like it wasn't very good he actually blamed it all on paul feig the director he said, yeah. like, he spent way too much money on it. He threw away I, our ideas that we had for scenes. And then when he came back to do um, re-edits, he took those scenes back. So he had to spend more money and it just got cluttered and it got shit. Mm. Um, I mean, like, I, I could, you know, I, I think that Paul Feig is not a great director. I ooh, think controversial. Kind of, well, like, you know, like, look at what he, like, look at what he's done. Like I think Bridesmaids has he did been Bridesmaids. the biggest success of his career. Yeah. Then he did um, The Heat. And that like is I like, like The Heat like, with Melissa McCarthy, Sandra Bullock. But then he did Spy with yeah. Melissa McCarthy and that was dumb. But he's, he's a messy director. Like yeah. um, like Bridesmaids, which I think was a really successful, really, really funny movie. Like if you look at that film, it's quite a, quite a messy film in terms of its structure, in terms of the way it's kind of put together. Mm. Um, and because he's, he's of that. God, you're such a director. I oh, know, I oh, know. I'll oh, shut up. This um, is a, this is a man who directed the Eurovision. Uh, shut the fuck up. <laughs> it's, why why do you hate that? <laughs> fuck. You're just like, oh, he did this thing. Um, I've uh, interviewed. Look, oh, shut I've, up. I've, oh, in, shut I've up. interviewed. No, I've interviewed Judd Apatow. Yeah, you have. But like, I guess oh, so. so Paul Feig, like, he's of that sort of Judd Apatow school, right? Yeah. Like of that. Don't like, you dare badmouth you know, Apatow. No, no, but like you know that sort of style of like, for example, Anchorman, like Adam McKay yeah. directed that, and like the way they built that movie was that they just went in, they improvised all these. It's a scenes, bunch of SNL skits put together in an hour. And, and a half. lot of the time, yeah. they'll like they will build these movies in post. Like Anchorman was a movie that was built almost entirely in post production. Yeah. Like there is, um, if you get like the special edition Anchorman. DVD, there is a second movie on that on that disc, completely unrelated to the first Anchorman, that was built exclusively from outtakes. Mm. Like, that's how they build these movies yeah, in post. Right. And so it takes a real kind of craft expert to piece these kind of, these all these scenes, all of these kind of, this really diverse amount of footage and, and improv that they get into a cohesive movie. And I think sometimes they succeed and sometimes they don't. Uh, and I'm, I think that Bridesmaids, 
was the biggest success that he kind of had. Mm. I think that when you look at a bunch of his other films, um, and I haven't seen Ghostbusters, so I, I can't really talk about that. But, you know, when I hear people like Dan Aykroyd talking about how, like, the movie was a mess, I go, well, that makes sense. Yeah. Because, like, when I've looked at a lot of his other films, it seems that he really struggles to to put something super cohesive and, and smooth together in post. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, I, I think that, like, I mean, like, in, if you go, if you're talking about, like, the, these all-female reboots, um like some of the these all female reboots are the things I'm most excited for. Like this year, like the the um the oceans, Ocean's Ocean Eight, yeah. which is the the sort of reboot, like Mindy Kaling, uh, Kate Blanchett, yeah. Helena Bottom Bottom Carter, blah, yeah. blah blah blah. Um, like this movie looks amazing yeah. and awesome and hilarious, and I yeah. like I couldn't be more excited. But to see I, that I film. guess I guess the reason I brought this whole thing was because like after having that conversation about Rough Night, like I felt bad. That I suggested that Rough Night wasn't that great. And I was like, I shouldn't feel bad for saying a movie. Like, I think a, a ton of movies aren't bad. Should we talk about The Mummy again, for fuck's sake? Like, <laughs> like it's, it's, it's like I shouldn't feel bad for suggesting the movie shit. But because there is this whole conversation about, you know, we need to support all female casts and female directors. It's like, by knocking that, you're, like, hindering the movement. And it's like, it's just... For me, it, and the same with Ghostbusters. Like, I wasn't one of the people like one of those douchebags that were just hating on the film because it's all female, saw the trailer, did think the trailer was funny, saw the movie, didn't think the movie was that great. And then it's like, you're one of them. It's like, I can't. <laughs> what do you want from me? I can't do anything. And Neil is just typing desperately <laughs> in the Twitter, not all men at the moment. Um, <laughs> but it's, yeah, it just, it just feels like. Well, I, I think it is an interesting question. It is that, that question of like, you know, does a movie that is politically, culturally, pushing boundaries deserve a free pass because it's doing that. Mm. Like, do we kind of excuse the faults in a movie that is doing something that we haven't seen before mm. or trying something we haven't seen before or, or trying to tell stories we don't normally see? Does that movie get a free pass yeah. um, for its other mistakes? I think in some instances it should. Like, I, I think that, you know, like I was, um, I was dating a girl um, when Ghostbusters came out. Her name was Jennifer out. Lawrence. <laughs> and, and she, she sort of came to me after seeing the film and was like, it was amazing. Like I've never, I've never been, um, in a movie where I've seen like funny, like funny women be the heroes. Mm. Um, and that does, that's not nothing like that's, that is really important. Oh, yeah, of course. You know? And, and I think that like for her, that movie was, was such a landmark event mm. um, that it like that she was ready to forgive, you know, what might've been fucking like pacing problems yeah. <laughs> because, because it was, it had such an impact on just the image of seeing, yeah. seeing that, you know, like Ghostbusters was to her, what Ghostbusters was to you and me as kids, yeah. you know, like seeing these dudes be like these funny, awesome heroes, you yeah. know, like, and, and there aren't a lot of, female stories like that um you know like i think you know i've recently i saw i just saw the the trailer for black panther yeah um which is an all black cast more yeah. or less with with the exception i think like andy circus yeah and and martin freeman and it's just like that was so freaking cool to yeah. see like yeah. um you know as a person of color like watching watching that and being like this is a film where like everyone on this big budget Hollywood film is a person of color Yeah, was awesome. You know, seeing Moonlight and being like, like every single person in this film is a person of color. Like you don't see that. Mm. And so I think that, you know, and 
I, I think that we can't downplay the effect of seeing greater representation mm. on screen and the effect that it has on people recognizing themselves in the films they're watching. Um, and, and whilst, you know, we want every movie to be as good as this kind of, you know, arbitrary standard that we've set for movies, but mm. sometimes it's just more important that these stories are being told um, by the people that they're about. Yeah. Um, I mean, the other thing is that, and, you know, Ghostbusters is different because obviously a male director with quite a bit of experience, but a lot of these um, female directors, these, these prob- like excellent female directors that are putting being put to the forefront, um, haven't been working with budgets this big because they haven't been given the opportunities yeah. to. Um, Patty Jenkins that just did uh, Wonder Woman, mm. if you look at her IMDb beforehand, she like this is a huge budget movie for her. Um, because people aren't handing... What did she do before Out of Curiosity? Um, so she did like Arrested Development, uh, an episode oh. of that. Uh, she did do a feature beforehand that I've forgotten the name of. Because that um, would be daunting. Like, even if you were you knew what you were doing and you knew you were going to fucking kill it, like, what is, what's the budget of, it of, say, of an episode of Arrested Development, would you say? Oh, who knows? Like, maybe $100,000, $200,000. And then it's like, great, you know? now here's $100 million. Go yeah. have fun with yeah, it. Yeah, exactly. Like- <laughs> exactly. And so, like, you know... Part of it's going, oh, you know, like, do they get a, do they get a free, a free pass? But, you know, if, if you're a female director today, yep. right now, unless you're Patty Jenkins um, or Catherine Bigelow, even Catherine Bigelow, like you have not been given a hundred million plus yeah. budget, yeah. you know, like some of, some of our best female directors have not been given these huge budgets yeah. um, in order to go and, and to make these sort of to figure out how to make a movie of that scale. Yeah. And so, you know, when they are successful, they should be celebrated. But so many dudes get to make tens of shitty movies before mm. we write them off and go, oh, well, you know, you don't get to make movies anymore yeah. because you made a shit movie. Like, think, like, the amount of directors you can point to their whole filmography and be like, well, the first ten movies you made were fucking shit. Who's the guy that keeps directing Sandler movies? Jack, Jack oh, Giannopoulos or something? I don't know, but like, you know, like there, there are a bunch of big Hollywood do directors that are allowed to keep failing because they're men. Yeah. Um, but if you are a woman, if you're a person of color, it's, there's, there's this idea of like, you got it, you got to make a good movie the first time. Otherwise you fucked it for your entire, uh, entire minority group. Which is bullshit. You know? So it's sort of like, yeah, maybe they should get a free pass. Yeah. Like maybe we should keep giving these movies free passes in order um, so that these stories keep being told, yeah. and so um, we can build up this talent base yeah. and create the opportunity for for people that have got a different insight and telling different stories to tell those stories. And that's the end of my rant, everyone. No, well, I mean it's cool. It's that the director of Rough Night, Lucia Aniello, she like you know she writes for Broad City, so that's how she got that opportunity. And Broad City's fucking awesome. Yeah. So I mean, I think that's the main thing. As long as you keep supporting, but I guess. You know, it's funny because I say, like, I feel like if a movie's shit or not that good, you should be able to say, but at the same time, Rough Night was funny. It just wasn't that great. That's what I mean. That's, I think, why I was so, like, frustrated with myself. It's like, I didn't even say the movie was bad. It's It's good. It's it's not that great. And we talk about, like, that that for her was, you know, we look at that and go, like, well, that's probably a big leap opportunity. But, you know, to be working on Broad City, a show that's now into what it's like third or fourth yeah, yeah. very successful season, is quite an impressive resume. Oh, fuck yeah. Um, you know, but you look at like, let's take um, 
uh, Colin, I can't pronounce his last name, Trevor, Trevor, the director, that's not helpful for anyone. Colin, the, the director of, um, of Jurassic World, uh, currently working on, um, Second. on the final, uh, Star Wars film. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so, right. so he is a director that has just done, or just done one big, like massive, uh, Hollywood blockbuster. And is about to move on to his second gigantic Hollywood blockbuster. Mm-hmm. Now, this dude, before doing Jurassic World, had done Safety Not Guaranteed, which was a very, very, very small <laughs> indie film that had a bit of success on the on the festival circuit. Mm-hmm. And he went from that to a massive studio about fucking dinosaurs, him yeah. A $100 million established franchise. Which is interesting said, how that works, this. right? Like, how does that work? Well, that, that, that's, and that's the thing, you know, like, how many, like, there are, like, you know, and, like, we, we can talk about, um, you know, so the director of um, The Babadook, uh, obviously Australian yeah. uh, director. Creepy as fuck horror film. Yeah. yeah. And and so, I mean, there was this kind of thing. Um, this is sort of obviously Jennifer Kent. Um, when she made The Babadook, everyone was like, she has to be given this huge budget to do this huge movie next. And and when she's done interviews, she's kind of spoken about how, you know, she was offered a lot of really cool stuff that she turned down because she wanted to do her own thing. But it's, you know, whilst you go to like, I've been at the Sydney Film Festival a lot of this week and mm. there are a lot of um, female directors at helming some really, really cool, um, you know, independent feature films. Yeah. And I guess I'm kind of at a point now where it's like, well, how many of these guys are getting that big leap opportunity that Colin got. Like how many of these guys are having studios call them up and go, Hey, we just saw this like tiny little budget. Yeah. um, Independent film you made. Yeah. Can you take on this giant reboot franchise? I guess the secret there is like, you know, um, the film that Colin did beforehand. What was it? Sorry, the Safety Not yeah, Guaranteed. Yeah, Safety Not Guaranteed. That was a really good movie. So, like, if if Patty, it, was, it was a fine movie. If, if Patty Jenkins isn't now being offered the fucking the next Spider Man movie of just hypothetically whatever it is, like a big budget movie, then that's bullshit. Yeah, but Patty Jenkins is fine. What I'm talking about is all these um, lady directors mm. um, or black directors or like people of color that are making films at the mm. same level that Colin was as good as Safety Not Guaranteed, yeah. and there are plenty of films like that, yeah. um, are they being offered these massive franchises? Yeah. Is Has someone got... Um, I mean, no, this is probably a very different case. Like, so I, I imagine it works the same as with directors and actors, right? Like, do, do directors get offered movies that they just say no thanks on? Oh, all the time. Like, fucking side note, I didn't know this was a thing. John Lithgow, yeah. as in... Um, <laughs> John Lithgow, yeah. Lord Farquaad, for those. Just go watch yeah. Shrek, right? Jesus Christ. <laughs> I love how out of everything I'm John Lithgow I'm trying to think, I'm trying to think of the like, most... Oh, you know, the thing we've all seen him in, Shrek. No, I'm, <laughs> the no, way I'm, he I'm trying to think of what, like, what's the most mainstream thing he's in, you reckon? Oh, I, I mean, like, Third, third Rock, Rock from, from the, the Sun, sun yeah. was, like, big, but, like, he was in Dexter. Yeah, um, yeah. He was But you know his voice, all right? My point is... Everyone... You watch him in Shrek, you know the guy. But he was offered the Joker, is in Tim Burton's Joker, and he knocked it away. Did you know yeah. that? Like, that's fucking crazy. I think, like, there are whole stories about, like, you know, directors yeah, that turned I down, actors that turned be, right? down. Yeah. Like, I mean, Will Smith famously turned down Neo to do The Wild Wild West. Um, Best career choice. Love that movie. Yeah, yeah. And he also... <laughs> what else did he say? Turned out something recently. Oh, turned out Django um, yep. to work with Tarantino. Yeah. Um, just who's his agent? What are you doing, Will? I don't know, man. I guess he just... It's fucked up. He just did Suicide Squad. That was terrible. Yeah. Yeah. 
Well, but yeah, like, I mean, directors turn down stuff all the time. I, I guess what I'm sort of saying is that, like, you know, there are these... The people putting forth, getting the opportunities to make these big movies, more often than not, tend to be um, men, tend yeah. to be white men, and they're not always qualified. Mm. They're, they're often these these dudes that have made something and they're thrown in the deep end and they're saying you know, figure it out as you do it, yeah. uh, which is great. Like, that's awesome that these studios are taking risks, but I'd love to see them take risks on a greater diversity of, of, um, yeah. of people. And I, I do feel like there are, um, you know, female directors out there that are being underlooked that are probably far more qualified, um, and are not being given these yeah. opportunities. So this has been a big conversation, mm. Neil. I mean, I'll wrap it up by saying, fuck, Rough Night's funny. Go check it out. That's, <laughs> that's what I was trying Go to say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah that's cool. Story. Well, that's our show for this week. All uh, we have time for, I'm afraid. Dave, thank you so much for coming by, There are things friend. you wanted to talk about today. Yeah. Um, thing I, there's currently uh, going around online is uh, Malcolm Turnbull, or Prime Minister Trumbull, as we all call him, <laughs> uh, doing a uh, impersonation of Donald Trump. Mm-hmm. We're not going to talk about it, but go check it out because <laughs> it's... Uh, it's pretty wild that it's happening. It's fun. Well said. Yeah. Uh, big thanks to Supernova, Tom F. Wilson, and Christopher Lloyd. I'm going to say Sir Christopher Lloyd because that guy's a hero to me. Yeah. Um, Owen, thank you so much. We'll get you on the case of a new uh, investigative piece mm. shortly. 60 yes. minutes style. So um, <laughs> stay tuned for that. Uh, but thanks so much, guys. We'll see drop you all. Drop us an email. Yeah, drop us an email. Got an email address there. Yeah. Drop us an email at the music podcast at themusic.com.au. No hate mail, please. Well, Will not be appreciated. Uh, Any mail. We'll take it, yeah. Yeah. And he's good, just so we know you're there. Thanks a lot, guys. We'll see you all next week.